Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This day, I'll just go ahead and give you my title. What I want to speak on is the strength of truth. And I just appreciate what we know in the Lord. I mean, so many definitions could be made of the word truth. If you would probably ask us all what we believe that the word truth means, it would probably, you would get a lot of definitions of what it means. But, um,. We know in general what we're speaking of when we say the word truth. But I'm just glad that in the world in which we live, that we can have something to hold on to, that we don't have to worry about it changing. There's so many variables in our life that we have to live with each and every day that are subject to change. That it's just, we have no guarantee, literally no guarantee of life and what it's going to hold, and it's just the ones that we say we love and we adore and that we cherish. I mean, we just have no guarantees, and I'm thankful for what God has promised us, His Word, His promises that He's given us, His Scripture that He's given us, His truth that He's given us. I don't have to live in fear of it changing, of God telling me that He will bless me in this area, and then getting up tomorrow thinking, is it still going to be true? Is it going to change? Or is this going to be lacking? Or am I going to have to do more than what God's required? No, it's not. God's Word is going to be forever settled as He has told us. It will not change. It will stay the same. It is something that I can attach myself to. And it is not going to change. It is not going to be a variable. It's not going to be something that I have been made to live with, that everything changes. It's not going to be like the stock market. You get up and check in with it. Well, how's it going today? I am going to receive a strength from it every single day that I plant my feet on the ground. It is going to give me nourishment and strength. I don't have to wonder if it's going to be there. Every day when I get up, it's there. I can pray. I can ask God to cover me because I will receive a strength from His truth. And I don't have to wonder. It's going to be there. And that's what I said. I need that. I need that strength that I'm going to receive. And I will just, as a disclaimer, I will just go ahead and tell you this part. A lot is in the Bible. And some of it, as we have said, good, bad. And some of it, it is just downright ugly. And some of it I got to deal with today is just downright ugly. So I just asked you up front, just guard your mind. Stay within the content of what I'm speaking about. It's in the Bible for a reason. So let's just look at it. Let's learn from it. 
And, I, and it's not to ask why it's in the Bible. I believe it's in the Bible for a reason. It's in there for us to learn from. Paul said they are in there for us as examples. And I believe that it's in there for us to learn from. So some of it at times is just, it's just not going to be pretty. But I'm telling you, life in itself sometimes is just not pretty. But we learn from it. We deal with it. We are forced to deal with it. As I've said so many times, some things is handed to us that if, it, if we was asked, we would say, do not leave that on my doorstep. That does not belong to me. I don't want it. It's not mine. But life does not ask us. Sometimes we are just dealt this hand, and pardon that reference, we are just dealt this, and we are not asked. It is ugly, and I do not want it. But we have to deal with it. And that's the way the Bible is. Some of the people that's in here, it gives us no explanation. It just tells you the ugly in their life. But it don't leave us there. It gives us the outcome. And that's the outcome is what I want to deal with. The first place I want to go to, and speaking of the strength of the truth, I just, I just want to hit a couple places that I am familiar and I know you will be too. So that's why I want to start. In John 8, the Bible says, in John 8, 31, and if, if, just read on the screen if you want to. Jesus is speaking to the Jews. He said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, if, we know what the word if means. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then right up above that, which I didn't read, Jesus quotes it two times in one verse. Unless you believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. Now I'm telling you, it's like the old preacher says, you don't need no commentary for that. Unless you believe that I am he, you're just going to die in your false belief of believing that Jehovah hadn't come to you. He tells them that. And he says, the only way you're going to be my disciples is if you continue in my word. That is it. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Not that you have a come in and have a relationship with me and I'll see you in, in 20 years. It's like a lady it, it told me. Well, he's a Christian. He's just not living the life. Well, that's not what the Bible said. If you continue in the Word, we understand that. God does not want you to give yourself to Him, and then I'll see you in 20 years. What He wants is an everyday relationship with us. That's what He said, continue in my Word. This Word is, is like I've said, is the only thing you can put your hands on that's going to be forever. It's eternal. And that's it. We don't have nothing else on life that we can lay our hands on that's not going to change. It's going to stay the same. God said, I will give this word to you. And that's what God wants. He wants us to touch something here on earth, I believe. He gave us his word. So God wants us to go to him every single day, to know him on an every single day basis. He said, continue in my word. And if you would do that, then would you be my disciples? And he said to do that. we got this active role to do. And he said, then you would know the truth. And that truth would literally break every chain as we know it in the song that we sing. And then I like that in, in the last phrase in verse 32. And he says, this truth shall make you free. We've heard every excuse in the book. Well, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this tradition, I've got that tradition, I've been taught this. 
Well, I'm telling you, and, and, and judge me not cruel, but I don't care what you've been taught. This Bible is not a liar. This Bible says this truth will make you free. And I'm telling you, it, it, I know I'm painting with the broadest brush it's ever been, but I will not go against this Bible. This Bible says this truth will make you free. So we, we run across individuals that says, I am so bound, I don't care if Satan has bound them, traditions has bound them, man has bound them, grandma's bound them, grandpa's bound them. Who don't, it does not matter. When it comes to what you believe, if you will sell yourself out to, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and give yourself to God, God said it doesn't matter. This truth, the truth that I'm talking about, would literally make you free. I know that was cruel in what I just said, but I'm telling you, it's too late to just tiptoe around it. God said this truth is going to make you free. We just got to quit tiptoeing around it. God said, I'm telling you, we are going to hear it. It's going to be told, I can't do this. Y'all are too strict. Y'all are too out there. Y'all too right. Y'all too left. Y'all too middle of the road. Forget it. This truth will make you free. I'm going with the Bible. And God said, you can do it. I don't care what has been up against you. My authority, my power is greater than anything than this flesh is going to face. And that's what I'm going with. He said, this truth, this truth is going to make you free. And he literally, I didn't read it, but on down further is when he really, really ticks the Jews off. Because he tells them, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And that's when they literally said, you know what? Let's just stone this joker and get rid of him. Because he said, before Abraham was, I am. So he literally, when he said before Abraham was, I am, the Jews know that he took a personal reference to Yahweh. When he said, I am, they said, oh, man, he's done stepped in it now. He ain't going to do that. He ain't taking a reference to Yahweh and we let it get by with. So Jesus was saying before Abraham was, before Abraham was created, I am or I existed, or I am. And they said, no, we're not going along with that. We're fixing to stone you. And Jesus was trying to say them, unless you believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. So he's just trying to tell them. He says, and they just said, look, tell us plainly, who are you? The same that I've been telling you from the beginning. I am he. And I've always said that. All the way back to Moses, when he says, I am that I am. I am that I am. And Jesus is telling them that. And he's telling them, look, the truth that I want you to see will literally break every chain, break every hole. This truth will give you the freedom that you've been looking for. The freedom that you need. That, that hole. That whatever, that whatever, if you've been going to church just trying to satisfy your conscience, just trying to get you a little bit of ease, just trying to satisfy whatever reason, God said, I will literally break every chain that comes across. Whatever, I can do it. This truth, this strength and this truth will produce the freedom that we need and we look for. Now, I'm jumping and I'm just trying to get to my text. I got one other thing before I get there. I turn with me to uh, the book of Matthew. He's taken in the book of Matthew. 
Matthew 16, I'll just read it. I'll read, uh, I'll read 13 through 19, and then um, I'll come back. Here's Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He comes, Matthew 16, and let's start at verse 13. Then Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do, the, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Berjona, because flesh and blood are, because it's not in there, I said that, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, verse 13, he went unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that the son of I, the Son of Man, am? Now, what this coast was, this was not a reason why he went there. What this coast literally was, was what we would say an idle town. There was literally idle set up. They literally, the, the Syrian Baal God was all there. Everywhere you looked was idols. So it was not by accident that God took them away. He took his disciples where literally, just picture in your mind, the backdrop, there's idols everywhere. And God takes his disciples to one side, and he's standing, I believe, where his disciples is here, Jesus is here, and all behind him is all these idols. And he points his disciples, and he says, who do you? Who do you say that I am? Now, all these idols is sitting everywhere. It's no accident he's asking them there. I want to know. And they start naming names, like, you're Elijah, you're Jeremiah. Or you're just one of the prophets. And Jesus is saying, no, you're missing the point. I didn't bring you here to tell you what you think. I want to know what you know. And he's, he's telling them that. And they just say, it, it, they just, he puts him on the spot. And I want to know, who do you, who do you say that I am? So he tells them that. And then literally, Peter, that's when he jumps up and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter jumps up and then he tells him this. And then that's when the Bible says that the Lord tells him, Blessed art thou, Simon Berjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And the way I always look at it, when he said my Father, I always like to not replace it, but I always look at the word spirit. But my spirit, which is in heaven, in other words, the spirit, Jesus is standing there in flesh and blood. But the spirit has revealed this unto you. So he says, I, flesh and blood, Jesus has not revealed this unto you, but the spirit has revealed this unto you. So he's standing there and he tells this. And I really and truly believe that the Christian church still has to answer this question today. Who do you, who do you, we're still in a land of idols. 
Who do you say that I am? What do you say? Who do you say that Jesus was? Is he just still an idol? Or is he the second person or the third person or the first person? Who do you say that I am? We still have to answer this question. The Lord still wants to know, who do you say that I am? I believe it with all of my heart. We still have to answer this question. God wants to know. He's standing in this backdrop. Don't forget that. He wants to know. So when he tells him, now, I believe, look at this. I want to read one verse to you. If you would, put up verse 18, 16 and 18. And soon as he tells him this, soon as the apostle, Peter, blurts this out, he tells him. Now, I want you to read silently along this while I read this. And I will say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, that's directly after the quote that Simon Peter just told the Lord. Now, there is one word. There's one word in that verse that's never been used in the Bible up to this point. Do you know what it is? I'm not going to let Terry here long, but I'm, I'm telling you, the Lord says, standing in the middle of idols, who do you say that I am? Peter says this, and the Lord says this. I will say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It's never been in the Bible up to now. But God said, that's what I've been waiting on. And the word is church. That's what I've been waiting on. I can build my church on this revelation. And I will build my church on this revelation. That this, this is what I've been waiting to hear. For years I've been silent on this matter. But on this day I will reveal that on this, on this rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Because it is on this rock of revelation that I will build it. The apostle says this, and Jesus says this, I will gather, and that I will do, that I will build my church. Never have we even heard it in the Bible. It's not even in there until right now is the first time it's even used in the Bible. And the Lord Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So everything we need, every resource we need, and look at it like this. He says the gates, plural, of hell. Look at it like this. With hell combined, everything they have, if they open every gate they have, when the church collectively, my church, when the church collectively will stand together, come in one mind, in one accord, there is no way the church can be defeated. For he says, they will not prevail against it. For I believe truly that that is literally what God has been waiting on. For just somebody to stand up and say, do you really know who I am? Do you know this truth? 
I've been telling you, if you don't believe me, you're going to die in your sin. And when the apostle finally stands up and says, that flesh is literally the Son of God, he says, that is it. And that is what I will build my church on. That rock of revelation. That is it. That is it. That is it. The first time we see it, literally, and that is when God gives us this guarantee that hell will not prevail. He didn't say, I will build my individual. I'm telling you, the jokers that withdraw themselves from the Lord's anointed and stand out there on their own, get away from them. I'm telling you. He says, I will build my church collectively. When Westwise said, when we come together, unite in one mind and one accord under the leadership of the Lord's anointed, hell can't come against us and win. It's not going to happen. We got authority. We got the authority of the Holy One of Israel. He says, I will build my church, my church, and hell ain't going to prevail against it. Never, never, never had it been in the Bible. Until this point. And I believe literally, literally, that was what God was waiting on. Waiting on for somebody to say, I know who you are. And that's why I believe Jesus told him, you know what? You ain't got that on earth. It's the Spirit that's revealed that unto you. That's why we say it's a revelation. It is a revelation. It is the Spirit that reveals that. So he tells them, after he says that, the gates of hell is not going to prevail. He says, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that's when he tells them, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I believe literally the keys, there's a lot of ways to look at this. Some even says that the keys died with Peter. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that theory. But I believe literally the keys, I look at the keys is having access unto the kingdom of God. And I look at the keys is this knowing of really the revelation of Jesus Christ, of knowing who he is. So the keys of the kingdom is having access. And when you have access, that is why God says, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Because if you didn't have access, you couldn't have it that way. You could pray all you want. And if God didn't bind it in heaven, it wouldn't do us no good on earth to do it. But God said, when you do that, I will back you in heaven because you have my authority to do that. My church has this authority. So the Lord took this, the strength that we receive from this, when the enemy comes against this, we are, we are have an enemy. We are troubled. We do go through trials and tribulation. But I'm telling you, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. And whatever you do, don't separate yourself from the church. Because God said, I will build my church. And if you separate yourself from the church, you cut off literally your lifeline because you can't do this on your own. And that's why he said the gates of hell is not going to prevail against my church. 
Now. Now. Believe it or not, I want to go to what I really want to talk about. I want to go There's a word that we started hearing I don't know how long ago but the word is dysfunctional and the word that always followed it was family dysfunctional family I remember when I started hearing it it's a phrase that we started hearing it in our land and A lot of it, when people would go to court, they would say they're from a dysfunctional family. And I'm not saying there's no evidence to that. I'm not saying that in no means. All I'm saying, I remember hearing that phrase, the dysfunctional family. And so we know that's a phrase that we've heard. Um, but what I want to speak on today, we meet... A lot of people, a lot of different people. And if you ever meet someone that says, you don't know my background, you don't know where I've come from, you don't know what I've been made subject to, you don't know what I've went through, then I want you to tell them what I'm fixing to speak. I'm telling you, you can't put limits on God. Because He loves humanity. And what we've went through, it impacts us. It terrifies us. But I'm telling you, it don't surprise God. In Genesis 12, I'm not going to read it, but in Genesis 12, the Lord goes to Abraham. And He, tell, <clears throat> and he tells him, He says, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave your country, your people, your kindred. Basically, I want you to separate yourself from them you know. I want you to leave. I'm going to take you, your wife. You have no children, but by faith, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to start my lineage with you. Now, some things we do just seem so right at the time. But he takes and he leaves. And the Bible tells <clears throat> and the Bible tells us that he took his brother's son by the name of Lot. That is not what God said to do. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just I'm just having to tell the story as it is in the Bible. The Bible says you leave, you leave your kindred. I don't believe God was being cruel to him. This is just the way God said to do it. You leave your family, you leave your kindred, you separate yourself. And I believe anything, as we have been told so many times, whatever we are asked to do by the Lord, we may not understand it, but somehow, God would give us the grace, the strength to do it. 
So here God tells Abraham, now how hard? I mean, we're human. He was human. I mean, as <clears throat> others as jokes, I mean, I don't even like to leave High Springs. So I can put myself in Abraham's place when he says, leave your home, your kindred. I mean, I, I, my hand raised, I'd have took more than Lot. I mean, I'd have had the whole crew with me. It wouldn't have been just Lot, baby. I'd have had them all with me. So my hat's off to Abraham because he only took Lot. So <clears throat> he takes Lot and he goes. And just what seems so innocent at the time. He takes Lot and he leaves. And just in in a lot of times that's the way just things. What can this is my brother's son? What can be so wrong with it? I need to take Lot with me. So he takes Lot and he leaves. And then and then I'll just skip through this. The herd gets big and, and I I know you're familiar. And it just comes a time they have to separate. So they do, they separate. Abraham says, okay. The Bible nails, literally nails it down. But in other words, it's you go one way and I'm going the other. So Lot lets his eyes deceive him. He looks at the well-watered plains and he says, you know, I think I want to go this way. So he does. He goes that way. So he takes, <clears throat> the Bible even says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And here again, what looks so good, so watered down. Now he's got his cattle, his sheep, and what seems so right. I mean, if you're a cattleman or if you have sheep, naturally you won't pasture for them. So what seems so right at the time. So that's all the way the Bible says is he pinched his tent toward or that was his direction that he was going, was toward Sodom. Now, we got to turn to the ugly chapter. Turn with me to Genesis 19. In 19, and let's, um, where we're going to pick up the story is, where I stated is he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, we're going to pick it up. I mean, I've really fast forward. <clears throat> a lot has happened up to this point where we're fixing to jump in. Right after this is when, Sot, when Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. The Bible goes on to say, but the men of Sodom was exceedingly wicked. Then where we pick up at, now Lot is living in Sodom. Okay, that's where we pick it up. The fifth verse. They called unto him, <clears throat> and they called unto Lot and said, Where are the men that came unto thee this night? Now, I realize I'm jumping right in the middle of the story. What's happened is the wickedness is so great, God is fixing to destroy the city. He sends some angels to literally physically drag Lot out of the city. <clears throat> the men goes to the city. The other men see these angels come. They're in this verse is picking up that the men is inquiring is the men that came to Lot's house, they're inquiring where are they at. So this is where we're at. 
say, they, the men which came unto thee this night, bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out the door unto them and shut the door after him. And here's Lot pleading with him. He said, I'm praying to thee, brethren, do not do so wickedly. Now, verse 8, before I even read it, I want to say this. I believe the Bible as it is written. But this is a verse that I'm telling you, this is a verse that we have to learn from. In Second Peter, the Bible says Lot was a righteous man. Now, the only way that I can put any structure in this of what I'm fixing to read to you, of what I can get out of it today, is the Bible says a lot with a righteous man, so I believe that. Okay? This is the end result of what happens when I just allow myself to just literally get closer and closer and closer and closer to the enemy that I'm right in the middle of the enemy's camp. And this is just basically the end result. He started out a righteous man, but this is the end result. Verse 8, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye unto them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for there, for there, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now he's willing to give the men, the wicked men of the city, his own two virgin daughters. And he said, I got these men that came to my house, and I want to protect them, but I'll give you my two virgin daughters in their stead. Now, you know, it would be easy for me to just stand here and just say, I just can't believe the guy done that. Or I can say just what I just said. I believe this is the end result of Lot. The Bible starts out and just says he pitched his tent toward. So when the Lord's anointed is preaching, you're getting too close. And I'm just, yeah, but the grass is so green over there. And he's saying, you're still getting too close. And I've been saying, yeah, but I got, I got cattle that needs to be fed. And I'm still getting closer, and I'm still getting closer. All of a sudden, I'm willing to take my own children and sacrifice them and think it's all right. This is literally what I just can't in my right mind fathom this, how this can be done. But I'm telling you, I will not go against the Bible. The Bible called him a righteous man. So how can a righteous man get to this point? I don't believe he got there day by day. The Bible talks about that at one point when, when the two men, I went past that, but when the two men came to the city, where was Lot? He was sitting in the gate of the city. Literally, sitting in the gate where everyone came in and went out. In other words, for commercial reasons, he was literally profiting from what happened in the city. He hated the sin, but he loved the profit that he was gaining from it. So he was just reaping from what he was making. 
He hated the sin, but he loved the financial reason that he was getting from it. So they told him, you need to leave. And they're just sitting there like, now, what did you say your name was? God sent us to destroy this place. And they're just standing there like, just like he's just a friend come from the field somewhere. The righteous man had been so long in the midst of Sodom that he just can't even just picture God, Yahweh, sending two angels to him to tell him and that he is just so far gone that he just said, look, y'all take my two daughters and do unto them as you please. Just these two men has come under my roof. I've got to protect them. Well, then we would say, where has your two daughters been the whole time? Hadn't they been under your roof? What about the protection of them? For out of your own mouth, you said they have not known a man. And you're willing to sacrifice their innocence, their purity that they have had all their life. And for just a moment of recognition to the crowd, you're willing to sell out their whole life. For just a moment, look what sin had done to the man. And he just literally starts out, I'm going to just pitch my tent toward Sodom. Now, the field looks green. Now, I'll get a little closer. Now, I'm living in. Now, that's not good enough. I want to get in the gate. I want to get everybody going in and coming out. Now, I want to profit from it. And they are saying, God is going to destroy this. And they said, yeah, but wait, there's a little bit more money got to come in first. I need to gain a little bit more. And they're saying, you don't understand. God is going to destroy this place. And they're just saying, what is the rush? I don't feel I need to leave. And they're just saying, you have got to get up and get out of this place. And they're just like, I don't see the rush. I really don't see the, all the drama you're putting into this. Till they literally, physically take them by the hand and just say, Get up, God being merciful unto them. Get up. Not just Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, and what the Bible calls their son-in-law. I guess they was what we would call engaged. And they literally peer mocked them and just says, You know, you bunch of fruitcakes, y'all really believe this? So they just take and they get up and they just literally, the angel said, you've got to get out of this place. So, and then, and they just tell them and they just, they just give them one. The angel tells them, said, look, there's no reason. This is so evil. There is literally no reason to even look behind you. He didn't tell just Lot. He took all four of them. Do not, do not. This place is so wicked, it's not even worth turning around for. I'm telling you, God to give us grace. God to give us grace. He tells them it's not even worth. That's the way I would put it. It's not even worth you turning around and looking back. So when she did, we know what happened to her. So they take and they go out. And then Lot starts pleading. The angels tells him where to go. And he's just saying, I don't really want to go to the mountains. I want to go here. I want to go there. And there's, you know, I can just see the angels get back to God and say, I don't know about this joker, but don't send me to him anymore. You're talking about one ungrateful joker. 
we go to rescue him, and I, you know, it's just like we on debate court. You know, it's just like I can't believe it. The guy's been in Sodom way too long. So he tells him, he says, you've got to get out. So the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah as we know it. And they take him, and they get out, and they take. Then he delivers just like the Bible says. He takes him out. He has his two daughters. They take. Now, look in verse 15. That's when he tells them. He says, In the morning arose, then the angel hasted Lot, arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters, which is here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them, and brought them forth and set them without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. So he takes, he does escape. Look not behind thee. Now, they do escape. They do get away. Lot and his two daughters. That's all it makes it out. They're going. The Lord is merciful. He takes them out. They get out of Sodom. Now, in verse 37... Just one verse I'm going to pull out. But I was—I didn't give them this verse, but I'll read it. Basically what happens is I, if, you're a, if you study the Bible at all, you know what is happening here. Lot goes out now. Lot had been in Sodom for so long. This is why I always say it's never about us, especially... And this is used uh, children. But, you know, it's not about children. We have family members. It, this just happens to be about children. But it's about those that we love, those that we have an effect on. Just because this is talking about children, if you don't have children, don't let that just stop you from gaining something from this. This is talking about just whoever you have an influence on. So he takes... And uh, goes to the with his two daughters. And this is the ugly part. Verse 36, that I, I'll just read to you, then I'll go to 37. Thus were both, both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And 37, and the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. Now what happened? They leave. The two girls, all this time, I don't know if Lot is just not putting this together or if it affected him so much that he's not thinking. What I think about in studying this, what must it have been like to have been them two girls and to hear their own father say, I will give you to the crowd. By the way, they're virgins. Do unto them as you see fit. 
And they just look at each other and just say, did our own father just say that? And then living in Sodom. I believe, me personally, I believe that what happens here is that is where this started. They go, they get to the mountain, their mother is consumed. God had already commissioned and said, don't you even look behind you. So much of her heart was in Sodom that she just had to turn around. God said, I won't tolerate that. What I have done for you and you turn and look, I will consume you. So he consumed Lot. God in the New Testament just says it like this to us. Remember Lot's wife. After all I've done for you, don't turn from me and look towards the enemy. So he, they go to, and then they come up with this plan. So much had affected them. Now, how could they get to this point to think that this was the right thing to do? Our mother is gone. We have no seed to raise to our father. The oldest one said, I will go in and lay with my father tonight and conceive of him. Tomorrow night, the younger one, you go in and do the same thing. And they did. They produced two races of people, the Moabites and the Ammonites. The Bible tells us they were a thorn in the flesh of the Israelites the whole time they existed. I promise you, it is in the Bible. So they take, they do this. Now, the Bible tells us that Lot didn't know when they laid down or when they rose up. That's the Bible. I'm not quoting that. That's what the Bible says. But nevertheless, Lot produced two races of people by his own two daughters. Now, they take and do this. This is the result of them living in Sodom. Now, jump with me to the book of Ruth. What happens, and I will I will be as quick as I can here. Ruth, the book of Ruth is really is really truly a really and truly a story of compassion and mercy. Some have said it's a love story, and it truly is. It really is, but it is a story like no other. It really is. Naomi and Imelech have two sons. Famine drives them to Moab. They take, while they're there, while they're in Moab, their two sons marry two Moab women. One is Ruth, one is Orpah. They take, unbelievable, all the, all the men die. Naomi's husband dies, Emelech dies, her two sons die. So now uh, she has two daughters-in-law. They're still there. In, in Ruth, chapter 1, verse 11 this is where she's fixing to go back home. And I look at this the way I look at um, the comment that Job's wife made to him. I don't look at it as just spiteful, but she had lost everything. So she is, she's telling 
She's telling her two daughters-in-law, and this is what she says to them. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why? Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that ye, that they may be your husbands? Now, I don't believe that was said out of, out of just spite. But she had lost her husband and both of her sons. And she's telling her daughters-in-law, would it do any good for me to conceive tonight? Would you wait for them to be grown? What good would it do? Now, they had been there, the Bible tells us, for ten years. But what drew me to this story was that Ruth was a Moabite. Ruth was a Moabite. And for ten years... For ten years, she had been made subject to something she had never been around. There's a lot of verses that condemn the Moabites. I'm only going to read one. Now, it's, it's sort of hard to get to, so if you just want to follow on your screen. I'm, it's in Zephaniah 2 and 8, so if you would, just follow on the screen with me. It's in 2 and 8. I have heard of the reproach of Moab and the revelings of the children of Ammon, that's the two seeds, whereby they have reproached my people and have magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely... Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, even the breeding of nettles and salt pits, and get this, and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. And this they shall have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. God said, I will not tolerate it. Where it said, they have come against my people and against my border. They have encroached on us for the last time. They will be a perpetual desolation against these two. I will not tolerate it. They will not even be allowed to come into my temple. They will not worship with my people. The Bible says, I can read it to you, for ten generations or forever, it says. So he's saying, and then here we have Ruth. And then when she says this, he says, turn again. He says, would you go with me if I have another husband? If I got pregnant, as we would say, would you do it? Why would you do that? And I can hear just Ruth saying, Is that what you think this is about? Is that what you really think this is about, Naomi? Ophah just says, Ophah just says, Okay, I will go back. Naomi even tells them, Go back to your gods. Go back. But Naomi says, no, 
for 10 years, I have been made subject to this. And I will not leave you. I know what this book has said, but let me tell you about my legacy. My legacy says I can't even worship with you. My legacy says I have watched the king, or not I have watched. My legacy says the king himself took his own son, heir to the throne, the Bible says, and sacrificed him in front of thousands and literally burnt him. My legacy says they took babies set in the idol God's arms and burnt them alive. My legacy says they are idols everywhere. My legacy says I cannot do this. And my legacy says I can't even go in the house. I can't do this. But I tell you what. I will not leave thee, I will not forsake thee, and I will go with thee. And then she's telling them, here it is, I am from a cursed lineage. But I believe where it all changed is when she says, and your God is going to be my God. There is no more gods in my life. Your God is going to be my God. I don't care what the lineage is. I don't care where you've been. I'm telling you, when you set your heart for truth, God will in no wise cast us out. It does not matter what is in your life, where you've come from. People have told us, you don't know what it's like. You don't know where I've come from. That is maybe, that may be the case, but Moab, and Moab was a cursed people. And Ruth literally was from the lineage of Moab. She was a cursed individual. But when she said, your God is going to be my God, Jehovah himself says, I won't cross that. No, I won't cross that. When it's time to set your affections and you set yourself towards truth, God said, I won't cross that. So she takes, she does that. And literally, she goes and she sets herself. She goes with it. And then when she gets there, literally, the whole book, literally, the whole book, you read the whole book of Ruth, she is continually Ruth the Moabitess. The whole book, literally to the end. And when she marries Boaz, that is the last time she is referred to as Ruth the Moabitess. When she takes his name, when she takes his name, her past is gone. Her past is wiped clean. God said, I will remember it no more. And we can come in here. And when we are buried, our past is gone. We are buried in the name of Jesus. Our past is gone. To the world, we may be idolaters. We may be harlots. We may be drunkards and revelers, but to God, we are family. God said, I will put you in my lineage and literally will do that. So now what happens, and this is truly what's amazing to me, literally how God takes a cursed individual. He takes her and puts her with Boaz. Now, and and I will end with this. The man that God put her with, do you know Boaz? Do you know who his mother was? You remember when the spies went to search the land? 
and they go to the harlot's house. The Bible refers to her as Rahab, the harlot. Well, guess whose mother that was? That was Boaz's mother. So God said, it don't matter. You can be a harlot or you can come from a cursed lineage. When you walk in my house and take my name, you become family. I don't care where you've been. It don't matter who you are. And when they tell us, you don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes, well, you tell them, I know somebody that does. Because this Bible says, this truth will make you free. This truth will make you free. This truth, all the way. God done it. Took Boaz, put him with Ruth, a cursed individual that within herself had did not have a chance. But God in His love, God in His love, I tell you, we meet them, they tell us, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. Oh, yes, we do. Brother Boyd quoted it here a while back. Paul just plainly tells us, he slaps us right in the face. He said, and such were some of you. I'm telling you, when we take his name, our past is gone. Put it under the blood. Hallelujah. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.